All right, how's that? Yeah, all right, got volume. Good to see y'all this morning. I'm gonna try to keep y'all attention for a couple minutes. I know y'all starting to smell that food downstairs. I know y'all didn't come to hear me. Y'all wanted to get some grits and griddles and some greens. So I'll be brief. Um, uh, allow me to uh, allow me to read God's word for our opening prayer this morning. Hebrews chapter four, verses twelve. It says, "For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing." even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and moral, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Amen. Father, thank you this morning for your word and what it has to say and what it said and what it's going to say. Uh, just thank you for the day. Um, let your word go forth penetrates the hearts, change us, mold us into the persons that you want us to be, ones that glorify you, and ultimately receive uh, your blessing and your grace, and uh, we'll one day see you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, all the church set. Amen, amen. So our word today is going to be taken from... Uh, Psalms chapter 51, and we're going to go through five, 15 verses, and I have, uh, I have some R's. My name is, starts with an R, but I have some R's that I'm going to go through with each verse, and I'm not going to do it right now. I've, I've got a couple things to talk to you guys about for first, so uh, this is a, like commercial hour right now, so um, I've got a, uh, there's a book out. I'm not telling you guys this because you should go get it or anything like that. It just popped in my head just now. It's a book out called Wired That Way. It used to be known by a different title, but it talks about the different personality types of people. And my personality, uh, as I've matured in life, I've, I've gotten to become uh, a mixture of all. Uh, but my wife will tell you that I'm a, I'm a perfect melancholy and a powerful cleric, which, and I was, it's funny because I was talking with uh, Ms. Rackett this morning and I was, I was just telling her how, you know, things that irk me, you know, just when things are left undone or left open, it's just not tidy and I just kind of just want to take care of it real quick. And I'm, a, I'm like that with life. When I see things that are wrong, when I see false teachings, when I see just things being wrong that are not biblical, um, it really stirs my soul, and I, I, and I, and I just want to speak to it. And I know sometimes I've, I've gotten, in the, the, gotten a chance to, to share a message, and I've probably said some things, and, and it was just something that just I may have saw that day or that week, that month, that just stirred me up. And I'm like, man, I wonder if other people are seeing this and they, they just got something on their heart they want to share. And I just say, oh, well, I'm going to share it. So I got an opportunity to get the microphone until Pastor or Doug or Pete or Darius tell me, no, go sit down and shut up. <laughs> I'm going to say it. So 
That was for you, Brandon. He's in Houston trying to golf. Um, I like what, what Pastor, the PowerPoint he did last week um, from Pastor's Heart, I call it from Pastor's Heart still. But he gave that little PowerPoint picture of the gray area. And one thing that popped in my head was why is there so much gray area? Why is there so much gray area? You don't have to answer that. I'm just throwing that out there. In my head, I immediately shot back and told myself, because you allow it. Right? Why is there so much? Why do we fight with sin? Why do we battle with stuff? Because we allow it. Um, okay. Here's something that was going through my head this week, too. And I just ran into a lot of instances where I've, I've, I've heard it said or dealt with certain things, talking with different people. Um, Chicago Land, you all remember a few years back, the five Fs. If you keep this in order, right? Faith, family, finance, fitness, and friends. In that order, that's kind of like the, uh, the umbrella when you're thinking about relationships. God, right? Who's next? Father, mother, children. Right? That's the umbrella. That's the covering. Right? So if you keep that stuff in order. It's just today, nowadays, we've got so many distractions. I went to visit my mom last week, and she, was, uh, she had the TV on. Thank God she got a hearing aid. Thanks, Cheryl. She, she just said she didn't need a hearing aid for years. But you go in her house, and the TV's blasting. Um, and she was she was watching an old television show. Any of y'all ever see Me TV or something? And they got the old shows, and they're so like, man, that you don't mind watching them because you don't have to worry about seeing something that you don't need to be seeing. It's like almost every TV show nowadays has got to have a homosexual in it. That that's like the standard now. Did you all realize that? So flipping through, and nowadays we got social media, you know, we got our phones. There's so much information tied to our phones now. We can look at any and everything at the split of the moment. Some is good, some is bad as far as how we can get access to stuff. Um, but we're flipping through things, and it's grabbing our attention. And we've got, uh, it's, it's, you're keeping up with things. Uh, you get a little bit of information here, a little knowledge here, a little there. But it also keeps us from focusing on the main things, those five things. It keeps us from focusing on the main things. And I'm guilty of it. I'm not sitting or standing up here trying to say, yeah, you need to be like me. <laughs> not. But Satan wants to keep us distracted, confused, frustrated, depressed, tired, lonely, anxious, scattered. Satan wants to tear us apart, and then you look on the other side, God wants to unify us. It's just that simple. It, there's no gray area right there. Satan wants to tear us apart, God wants to unify us because he knows 
how many blessings that are in store for us if we just focus. Um, so that was my commercial. Now I'm going to tell you a little skit. Um, I'm going to get to the word, but I'm, I'm going to tie this in, actually, so don't worry about it. So I, I do, a lot of you guys know, I do some uh, home remodeling and stuff like that. And one of the things you end up doing when, in home remodeling is you first have to demo. You have to tear things out, get rid of the old stuff, get rid of the big things that are in the way uh, in order to actually start the process of fixing things back up. So let's take a, a bathroom, for example. I've got a bathroom remodeling job coming up starting tomorrow. Uh, the first thing we got to do is we got to remove the sink, we got to remove the toilet, we got to remove the cabinets. Uh, sometimes we have to pull up a floor if the floor is damaged. And just the obvious things that are in the way that we need to clear out in order to start the process, get all the obstructions out of the way. Um, and I compare it to there's obvious sins in our lives when we first get saved. Uh, we are aware of most of them, uh, and the Spirit actually allows us to realize, you know, these things are, they're non-negotiable. You need to stop doing them immediately, because it's just obvious. Um, we realize we gotta, we gotta let them go. So, it may be things like smoking, drinking, having an affair, uh, stealing, the list goes on and on and on, the obvious things. Then, so we get to the point where we start tearing down the walls. We tear down those walls that we had set up previously in our lives that we just didn't want people to see the stuff that was behind the walls. So in remodeling in this bathroom, we got the pipes and the plumbing that's usually behind the wall, the electrical, the piping, the conduit, the switches, the outlets, things like that. We got to get rid of that stuff. So we got to tear all that old stuff out of the way um, those things that are keeping us from getting to the plumbing for the bathtub and the shower, we got to rip that wall down. There's walls that have to be, they have to be torn down. And we've had old nasty habits hidden behind those walls. We've had, we've had faulty pipes, leaking pipes, um, faulty electricity and over the years what we've tried to do is we've tried to you know repair them we call it Jimmy rig some of y'all say Negro rig and we've tried to just you know duct tape put some silicone around it I just guide that stuff towards the area that it won't be seen as much or we'll get back to it in a year or two and we've had things like that in our lives that we tried to avoid dealing with. But when we repent and ask Jesus to come take over our life, we're saying, Jesus, I want you to tear out anything that doesn't belong. Anything that's stopping your love from flowing through me. Anything that's clogging up the opportunity to eliminate waste. Lord, please make everything new so that I can function properly. So I just had that thought when I was preparing my message. I said, man, let me, let me 
share a little something that's on my heart because we all, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We've all had to deal with stuff. Um, we fail sometimes to realize that we have, we have been taken out of certain situations that have left some damage in our life. You know, thinking about you tearing down a wall, sometimes there's screws or nails left in the, in the two-by-fours and the studs. And when you take those screws or those nails out, they leave, an, they leave an imprint into the wood. So there's sins that we've done in our previous life that have left a, a, some damage. And there's no getting over it. Sometimes we suffer from the consequences of our past sins after Christ starts his remodeling project into holiness for us. Jesus didn't say, stay as you are. I love it when people say, you know, they say, come as you are. It doesn't say that in the Bible. What it says is in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, come all you are, you who are heavy or weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what he says. He doesn't say come as you are. But he also, I'm sorry, he, he, he doesn't say come as you are, but he does say stay as you are either. So, yeah, you can come in as you are, but we don't, we don't want you to leave as you were. Amen? We want you to be changed. As it says in Matthew 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't stay the way you were. God wants us to truly, truly be holy. So my title, Building Towards Holiness, most of the time um, the search for holiness comes after being broken. Maturity comes when God breaks us. Then and only then is when God can take us to another level. He can't take us to, a, to another level when we're still at the same level. Or you, you're not willing to change to get to the other level. Does that make sense? It's kind of common sense, but a lot of people, they think that they could still do the same thing and get to another, get to, okay. Get to their blessings. How's that? I'm not going to go to where my mind just wanted me to go. So uh, let's get to the text. Psalms 51, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read a verse by verse, and then we're going to go through the, uh, through the R's, if my maestro hears me. When I go through verse 1, we'll hit verse 1, the first R. So uh, we cannot build towards holiness until we have um, a request. We request forgiveness and have awareness of our sins. Verse 1, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out all my transgressions. Now, let me back up a little bit and just talk about what we're, what we're looking at. This psalm came from King, uh, King David. He, he wrote a lot of psalms. But it was during the time right after the prophet Nathan was sent by God to tell King David, you messed up. This is when David had the adulterous affair with Bathsheba. 
and Bathsheba got pregnant. The Lord took the baby away from him. Uh, but before the baby was born, David tried to do some conniving things to cover all up. And he had Uriah come back. And then he said, Uriah didn't want, he was a righteous guy. Uriah said, no, I'm not going to do that, my God. You, you, you have to read the story. But Uriah goes back to the battle line, and King David sets him up to take the fall and get killed. So in other words, King David got Uriah killed so that he can now have Bathsheba as his bride. And then when the baby is conceived, he can say that was because we were married. But he, she conceived before he was dead. So then the text goes to Nathan being sent by God to tell, to confront David and tell him, hey man, you messed up big time. You messed up. Now here, David was a, a man after God's own heart, we read in the text. And when he hears that, this is what David's psalm is talking about. Now imagine you've sinned, you've done something in your life, and you realize, or maybe your accountability partner, maybe your spouse, maybe a close friend, or maybe a total stranger came up to you and told you about what you had messed up on, and you wanting to walk worthy of the Lord, wanting to be holy, your conscience just goes to the point of telling you, they're right. Oh man, just this is what this is how David is feeling with the prophet Nathan telling him. So his request for forgiveness made him aware of the sin. He he, he just got Nathan tells him, "Hey, according you 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 got to get right." And he says, "Have mercy upon me, O God." According to your love and kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressors. The great thing about this is, you know, imagine as we're maturing in Christ, when we mess up, we can do the same thing. This is an example of building towards holiness. Verse 2, it's removal of all and any traces of sin from me. Take out the root cause of my sin so I don't repeat it, Lord. And the verse says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Lord, just remove it. Just remove it. Can you, can you just imagine? I, okay, when I got, when I got saved, we were going through a lot of uh, discipleship stuff, and one of the things we did was we took we went on a uh, course. Um, I can't remember the title of it now, but it was a Bill Gothard uh, seminar, and it was a five day, I think a five or six six day seminar, and basically it was just straight up discipleship, just straight up discipleship, and you you had you had homework, they had seminars, they had classes every single day, and it was after work. So it wasn't something like you could just lazily just, you know, look at it when you can, pop it up on your phone. Yeah, let me pause it. I'll go back to it after I eat dinner. No, no, you had to stop doing what you were doing, get off work, drive to wherever it was going to be, and then stay there for, I think, two or three hours. You had homework 
wait a minute, I gotta go to work the next day. You had homework, and then you had to be back the next day. So that was five days, and then I think it was all day on Saturday. So one of the things that it was getting rid, it was, it was like a stop, it was like a process, but it was getting rid of things in your life that you shouldn't have in your life. And removal, I remember, I think uh, maybe Hope might remember this, but I remember we were um, at uh, Gus and Renee's house, and there was a Weber grill in the backyard. And we were gonna have a, uh, a burn party. And it was burning any and everything that you wanted to get out of your, your house that was a sin. And I had brought tons of music, and it was all different types of stuff. People were bringing all different types of things. I can't remember everything, because it was, it was about 12 of us. But we were just bringing things. We were burning that stuff. And I remember thinking, now I'm burning this stuff. I spent money for this, because I had a lot of CDs, and it was a lot of stuff. And I said, man, this is hundreds and hundreds of dollars of stuff I'm burning up here. How stupid would I be to now turn around and go buy the stuff again? So removal, not to bring it back, but to get rid of it. The third verse talks about recognition. A breaking, a recognition of breaking the law. It is my wrongdoing. It was me. It was the reckoning. I'm taking responsibility. Number three, it says, verse three, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I recognize it, Lord. I messed up. I shouldn't have did that. I'm taking responsibility. Verse four, responsibility. Responsible, being responsible for his sin, and it lays sorely upon him. He will take whatever penalty he has to make it right. I'm willing to pay the price. Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David didn't say, Lord, wait a minute. Uh, you know, see what happened was he didn't do any of that. He just took full responsibility when he was, when, when Nathan talked to him about the situation. Verse five, it talks about realizing that he was born into a sin-filled world and he himself cannot attain holiness on his own. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So Lord, I can't, do, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I was brought into this world that was full of sin. My parents conceived me, and, and man, I, I, need you, I need your help. Verse 6 talks about righteousness. Righteousness is only given by God and revealed through our character, conscience, and conduct. Behold, it says in verse 6, you desire truth 
in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Have you ever been to a, an event where a large gathering of believers are and you worship the Lord together and you leave that event and you just, man, this feels great. I would love to be able to feel like this every single day. No, 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 no. Within three days, you notice how it just wears off. And then, you know, six months later or a year later, then the event happens again. And you're like, man, I'm going to go again. I'm going to get filled up. Man, I'm going to go again. And you keep that cycle going. Run, 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 run. You get, yeah, that can get tired. Can we get to the, to the maturity level in our, in our walk with Christ where we can, we can go there as much as we want, anytime we want? That's, remember that gray area? Number seven, reveal to me, reveal, reveal to me my hidden sin and purify my soul. Verse 7 says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Man, Lord, get rid of that hidden sin in my life. That's a nice book, too, called Hidden Sins. That's a really good book. I'd recommend that one. Um, but reveal to me that, that something that... Uh, we, I know, past marriage, marriage retreats and uh, even uh, board retreats, we talked about the hidden window, the four window panes. And I'm trying to remember, it just popped in my head. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. It's the things you know that other people know, the things you know that other people don't know, the things they know that you don't know, and then the things that nobody knows. Is that it? Something like that. The four window panes. Lord, get rid of the things that I don't know that I need to get out of my life. Number eight, realize. Realize that what is done to me is for your glory, and I will praise you. Verse eight, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. The bones you have broken. When was the last time you were excited about uh, being reprimanded or being corrected? You, got to, you have to realize that what is being done is for his glory. And we are to praise him. Verse 9, restoration. From my evil deeds in order to restart on a solid foundation. Only God can provide that. He can restore more that was taken away. Remember the prodigal son and remember Job? He can do that. In verse 9 it says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities so that I can be restored, Lord. Verse 9, it talks about resilient. Resilience, you need that in order for the Lord to help you to recover and withstand what's coming in the future. 
because things are going to still come at you just because you've turned things around, you did some right stuff, and man, I feel good. I think that's, for me, sometimes I get so excited about things, and when things go right, I just, man, and then when something else happens, like, you could, you could find yourself going down again. And it's like a roller coaster in life, you know. You got to stay steady. It, that's that gray area again. The less gray area you have in your life, the more stable you are. So verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. I know some of y'all want to sing now, don't you, Donnie McKirkland? And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Hmm. Number 10 is resilient, needing the Lord's help to recover. Number 11 is remember. Remember me, O Lord. I'm willing to be a vessel. Use me, O Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me, Lord. Remember me, O Lord. I want to be used. Verse 12 is re-energize. Re-energize your spirit in me. Please keep me from stumbling. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Verse 19 is the word represent. I will represent you, O Lord, on earth. Use me for your purpose. Verse 13, it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Allow me to represent you, Lord. Allow me to be a vessel. Use me for your purpose. We're supposed to be... Uh, an example. We call ourselves Christian. We're supposed to be Christ-like. So we should be living that out. Amen? And verses 14 and 15, I only have one word for you. Repentance. True repentance is recognizing all the wrong, taking responsibility, asking for forgiveness, turning from the sinful direction, and disciplining ourselves to make God look good. So verse 14 and 15, it says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. Remember he had Uriah killed, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O God, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. When we're being um, built up to holiness, we need to praise the Lord. Because I think a lot of times we can see things and we, we expect, because we're Christians, because we're living out our life for the Lord, sometimes we can think that things are just supposed to go the way we want them to go. That might not be the way the Lord wants it to go. But because it's going that way, it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing 
It just means that the Lord is pulling those old pipes, pulling that, 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 that leaky water pipe that's been in the, between the walls for years. He needs to get that out of there. It might not feel good. It may leave some holes. It may leave a little damage inside there. But you got to allow the Lord to work things out so that he can, he can put some new pipes in there with no calcium build up and that water can just flow through there and all that debris that used to be in those old pipes, it's no more, it's just free flowing. It hurt when they were coming out, but now you're a vessel, you're a vessel. So I got, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through this. Y'all got five minutes? Seven steps to building towards holiness. Aggressively pursuing righteousness. Be genuine and sincere about being more Christ-like. When we sin, don't argue or justify any longer. Just repent and ask for forgiveness. Number two, immediately wanting to clear ourselves from the sin we have done as soon as possible. Being willing to do whatever it takes to ensure it is gone. No more hiding sin. Number three, hating sin. Being angry each time we sin because we know it hurts our relationship with God. Number four, setting up an alarm or an awareness that will keep us from sinning again. Having boundaries in place, not putting ourselves in tempting situations. Number five, longing or desiring to be in a perfect relationship with God. Sticking with the plumb line. One of these days, I'm going to do a message on the plumb line. Stick with the plumb line. The pastor says, stick with the plan. Stay with the word. Number six, being zealous or passionate in our lives when we're living for Christ. Not deviating from the scriptural blueprint. And number seven, avenging sin, desiring to right all our wrongs, dying to self daily. Now that's taken, if, I know I, I read through that quick and y'all haven't been able to write that stuff down because I know I couldn't. That is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verses seven through 11. You can get that. Let's pray. Father, I've been uh, crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. How we are being put into a crucible. We're over a flame, and we're being, we're being purified for the day we get a chance to see you. Because you don't, you don't allow anything unholy to come into your presence. So it's our responsibility to be obedient to what your word says and to want to live for Christ. It's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But praise the Lord, we've got saints that are willing to step up. We've got men that are willing to be the man. We've got women that are willing to be the women. 
Thank you for your word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.